It gladdens me to know that Odin prepares for a feast. Soon I shall be drinking ale from curved horns. This hero that comes into Valhalla does not lament his death. I shall not enter Odin's hall with fear. There, I shall wait for my sons to join me. And when they do, I will bask in their tales of triumph. The Aesir will welcome me. My death comes without apology. And I welcome the Valkyries to summon me home. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure, first of all, you probably caught that I had my microphone on mute. But everybody's probably saying, Rocky, why did you start with that opener? Well, I'm going to tell you why I started with that opener, because my ass is pumped up. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do not know, there is going to be yet another season of the TV show, The Freaking Vikings. And I'm telling you, Cannoli, when I found this out a few days ago, I got gooseys, bro. What's happening? Man, I love that show. Was that, uh, I did not catch all of whatever the last season was. Oh, the last what? season I saw was when Ragnar, oh, for those of you who haven't seen it, the death of Ragnar. That's just historic. Everybody knows he died. That was in season four. What season is this? This I think they ended at six? season six, and season seven is the new season. So I might have caught a few episodes after his death. So... Is the guy who was talking, is that Ragnar's son? No, that was Ragnar. The very last thing he said before okay. they dropped him in the pit, dude. The pit. Right. Oh, I remember that. In the pit. Dude, I seriously, I cried during that moment. <laughs> Think about this, man. Think about this. Really take this into modern day perspective. When you look back at somebody like, now, Ragnar Lothbrook was a real guy. You know, some yeah. of the, yeah. we, we know storytelling. You know, I mean, the shit gets exaggerated over the years. We get it. We understand that. But Ragnar Lothbrook was a real dude. I believe he was Scandinavian. And, um, you know, when you look at, like, let's just say the Vikings or the Scandinavian people back sure. then, and you looked at what they had to go through just to survive, you know, that word, the, you know, that was a time, Roberts, where men were men, you know what I'm saying? Whether we agreed yeah. with how they treat, you know, they invaded, they killed, they murdered, they raped, they did a lot of bad shit, dude. We're not discounting that. They weren't good people they, all the time, right. but they did what they needed to do. And you look at somebody like this final scene here in season four when Ragnar Lothbrok uh, was killed. You know, back then, dude, that's what a warrior represented. You know, they glorified their death. They welcomed their death. I'm not trying to say yeah. welcome your death and, and go do stupid shit. I'm just saying that it was a different time and different mentality. 
Now we look at our culture now. We're more worried about a dude putting on a freaking dress and acting all feminine in the streets, being walked sure. down the sidewalk in a freaking dog collar than somebody representing what, you know, is between our legs. You know what I'm saying? What's up, Brooklyn? Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> you know, um, I remember uh, some scenes. We all know uh, John Ward and his uh, lovely wife, Maria, and uh, she is uh, Swedish. And uh, she, they loved watching Vikings. And there was that scene where uh, uh, I think it was Ragnar's son, when he was a bit younger, was taken out to the field by the woman he wanted to marry. Oh. And she started beating the crap out of him. Which led, of course, to foreplay, which led to sex. That's how it happened back in the days, uh, bro. And Maria, Maria would look, you know, that little twinkle in Maria's eye? Oh, yeah, Maria would look at that little, that little Swedish twinkle, and she says, that's the way we Swedish women do it, Scotty. <laughs> and, you know, well, I, I can't do Swedish accent, but, uh, you know, she had that great accent. And uh, so I remembered that. And that's when I first started watching it was around that time. I didn't see it from the first season. So uh, excellent show. We watched that all the time. Then, of course, I lost track of it. Did you uh, have while you were, you know, sh a short termer and shit, you know, because yeah. I'm part of the club, right? I'm like an original um, when you were watching the TV show Vikings, um, you know, maybe we were Vikings in the past life or some shit. Oh, by the way, speaking of Scandinavian, um, yeah. we, I don't know if it was in a group chat or if it was a direct to me, but Audrey sent me a message the other day and her bro went and got his CIA. He donated his saliva to the CIA. I mean, I'm sorry. He had, oh, one oh of those, yeah, yeah. I had his DNA. Yeah. Yeah. He had his DNA tested. And um, Audrey's response was, is that she is so white that she's glowing. So basically nice. what she said is that she's a majority Scandinavian. Meaning when you watch the Vikings, you're probably seeing family members from freaking Miss Audrey in the chat room. You know what I'm saying? We know a Viking celebrity, folks. What's up? You know, I thought I was so white I was transparent when I thought I was only Scottish and Welsh. Primarily <laughs> Welsh. Our name is Welsh. Comes from Wales. My ancestors came from Wales. All of that. But then I had that same DNA test done about five years ago, said I was 16% Scandinavian, which I never knew because there's no Scandinavian names in our bloodline that we know of. And Maria, again, Maria gave me that little twinkly smile of hers and said, well, obviously we've rated you in the past. <laughs> she whooped your ass, bro. I'll take that. So, well, yeah. so all the studying that I've done in regards to the Vikings, like the Vikings, yeah. the ones that invaded France and whoops some shit, you know, you think France would know today from their history, uh, intruders, yeah. you know what I mean? But apparently they don't learn London, don't learn Britain, don't learn Sweden, don't learn because they are being invaded the same way they're invaded by the Vikings back, you know, yeah. 10th of the turn, turn of the 10th century, you know, but, um, the, when you look at scandinavia back in the day and how they were so tribal you know what i mean and yep. they would fight against one another and and we're we're not talking a back alley scrapper we are talking some savagery with axes and hammers and swords oh, and, yeah. and rocks and and um you know and they, they found out that in the long run fighting against one another tribally everybody wanted to be an earl and fighting against each other tribally was not helping any of them. All they're trying to do is, is kick the shit out of their neighbors so they can have just a little bit more land. 
Right. And they found out that, you know, you got to get on a boat. You got to explore. You got to go in. And I don't know if their intention was to go out and mess shit up the way they did or if they were doing a Christopher Columbus thing. They were just trying to go explore other lands and look for resources, food, money, whatever it may be. And um, we should try to find somebody who is like a historical scholar when it comes to the Scandinavians. You know, you had other Vikings, you had the Swedish Vikings, you had, uh, there were Vikings all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but the ones I m- mainly followed were the Scandinavian Vikings. Oh, yeah, the Danes, too. Who the Danes, dude? They the were, don't they wear wooden shoes? Uh, no, 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 that's pre-wooden shoes. Oh, pre-wooden Danes, oh. Danes were just yeah. like the Vikings, pretty much. And uh, there was another good series that dealt with the Danes. Who was your favorite Viking? Who was my favorite Viking? Do you have a Frank favorite? Tar- Frank Tarkenton. No, <laughs> no, never mind. Oh, my God, bro. That's wrong. That's just wrong. What's up, um, What's up? Who are you talking about the characters in the yes. show? Yes. Come on, please pick mine. Well, please, please pick mine, bro. Please I like Floki, but he was a little too weird. Dude, Floki was the shit, dude. I he was the my shit. microphone. He was a little too weird, but man, did he, he could build those boats. Dude. That's something that they showed him coming in, and that's historic. Uh, so Floki was pretty cool. Uh, Ragnar was cool, I thought, until he got, you know, once again, he got a little too afield from thing. You know, he when he started drifting, and he had his brother friend, mm-hmm. his friend, who was the, the priest, and all of those things. That, dude that, who that's was the crucified. Stuff that, mixed up his it, it kind of threw him off track for a while yeah well a lot of his people were pissed off because his best friend was a christian and it's yep. weird because ragnar you know this is the part i find fascinating because there's more than just a tv show there's all these different whether it be symbolistic or some yep. kind of hidden messages you had uh what's the what's a monk he was a monk a christian yep. monk And so he gets captured by the Vikings and he does this temporary conversion to, to paganism um, and studying uh, Thor and Odin and, and all the gods of of paganism. And then you had Ragnar Lothbrok who went and was baptized and was fascinated by Christianity. And you've seen how you had two people come and cross paths. Both, both of them in the end went back to their original roots right before they died. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought that was too. And uh, boy, I liked that scene. Now, I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is all fictional. But when they raided and uh, uh, Ragnar wanted them to raid Paris. Yep. And it was just a disaster. It just yep. was not working for them. Well, they were finally that's up against got, a military that was able to defend themselves. Right. And that's when he got pretty much mortally wounded. That wound pretty much stuck with him mm-hmm. until he died. Yep. Um, but, uh, that scene with the, the casket, that's all I'm going to say for those who haven't seen it, dude, we're going back like three years now. You can say it. I know. I know. But that's when they were raiding Paris. Oh yeah, bro. Oh yeah. Sorry folks. If you don't know that scene, you got to watch that dude. So that was the show. I thought that that was, and, and, uh, so that this other series I saw, uh, um, it has the word kingdom in it. Um, kingdom of heaven. No, that's not a series. No, no. Uh, there was a series set in that same time period and it was with a, a character that was a Dane, but he was British, but he was raised by the Danes oh. and came back and he wanted his 
territory back in this whole, in the whole series during the time of Alfred the Great and uh, and very well documented historical backdrop to this. And uh, so so that was an excellent series. Um, you'll have to look that up. There's something about the kingdom or kingdom of something or I can't remember the name. It's all right, brother. It's all right. We're not judging you yeah. right now. Yeah. Right now. Not right now. Not right now. So, Scotty, I want to <laughs> I want to say something really quick. I know we've, sure. we've just burnt up, you know, however many minutes talking about the Vikings, which is fine because you guys yeah. better get used to hearing about it because yeah. I am huge on this shit, man. Um, I, I, it's phenomenal TV show, phenomenal graphics, phenomenal storyline, and my kind of people. You know what I'm saying? Just my kind of people. That's right. But, you know, I, I, I want to revert back to something I touched on very briefly last week. I believe this was Wednesday night uh, when Elijah Cummings died. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went into a couple few day funk. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm just going to get this off my chest. I'm going to say it and we're going to move on with this shit. And um, there was a big part of me that was extremely discouraged. Now, I'm not going after anybody. I'm not attacking anybody. I'm not going after any tribes. Um this is this is where we run into some complications when we talk about the patriot movement, okay, or or the pro-American movement is that we're all on the same team, right? But we all still have different views in regards to how some things should be handled. Now, I said on our last Wednesday show my disgust in regards to people's behavior into wishing the death of somebody because of their political views. Now, I want to make something very clear. I wasn't defending Elijah Cummings at all. I yeah. wasn't defending him. He was a crook. His wife is a crook. He was dirty, but he was also a human being who has children, who has grandchildren, who has family members that probably don't give a rat's ass about politics. And my whole point being here, Scotty, is that if you... If you glorify the death of somebody because of their political opinion or their political mishaps and you celebrate their death, that makes you a radical. I don't give yeah. a shit how you want to look at it, how you want to twist it. I had it people, dude, I had people private messaging me, telling me how my post was wrong. It was inappropriate that this dude was a criminal, that he deserved it. They hoped that he rots in hell. So what you saw in the timeline was one thing, but I didn't even talk about the amount of private messages I got of people that I thought were very level-headed people sending me messages wanting blood, right? So here's my question, is that when we have people like Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all these radical left progressive groups, Chanting death to cops or death to certain, you know, to our president or or even the Hollywood people, you know, wanting the death of Donald Trump and promoting it or these memes and cartoons. We become outraged and disgusted towards this behavior. Now, here's my question. What makes us any different than the behavior that we despise the most of people on the left? Now, one other thing. Now, hold that thought because I know you got something at the tip of your brain right now. So hold it. Here's my last thing that I want to say. I recently saw somebody on the left wishing the death towards somebody on the right politically. And I seen the same person that got pissed off at me because of my views in regards to not supporting uh, people's deaths get so offended 
because somebody on the left wanted the death of somebody this person supported. And isn't that hypocritical to it where is. you celebrate the death of one, but then when it happens to you, you get pissed off because of how other people are. You're the same freaking thing. Yeah. All I'm trying to say, Roberts, and I'm going to give you the mic. All I'm trying to say is that I've experienced a lot of death in my life. I've experienced a lot of tragedy in my life. I've had my friends die in my arms. And when you experience death at this level, a lot of you can relate to this. A lot of you have gone through what I've been. I'm not unique at all in any of my past. A lot of us here are here because we're all kindred. But it changes your views on wishing death towards people. Now, I was like that. And sometimes, Scotty, I feel guilty because I get fired up on this show. I don't like radicals. I don't like radical Islam. I don't like radical Christianity. And I don't like radical behavior. And, you know, sometimes I get fired up on this program and I'm calling people thugs. I'm calling, you know, I'm calling people cockroaches. And that's me. That's, I will continue to do that. But you would never once in your life have heard me say, I wish that son of a bitch would die. You would right. never hear me say that kind of stuff. And I just want to represent to be better to be better than that. Be angry, be involved in politics, call out corruption, be aggressive, but to become so bloodthirsty that you praise the death of somebody that opposes you makes you a radical. Just saying, Scotty Roberts. I would say of that, that because there is absolutely no honor in wishing the death of somebody else because you disagree with them politically, I would never call that radical. I would never even call it aggressive. You you look at somebody, let's, let's hail back to the historic picture you're using from this television show, Vikings. Was Ragnar aggressive? Yeah, he was aggressive. Aggressive as shit. Mm -hmm. uh, but is somebody who wishes the death of a politician because they don't like their political views is that aggression? Should that be called aggression too? No. Should it be called radicalism? No. I look at radicalism and aggression, even though they are tentative, not tentatively, they're veritable negative words in our vocabulary, in our syntax, uh, um, lexicons, that those words to me can apply to people committing evil and people committing good. You can be aggressive and be good. You can be aggressive and be evil. You can be radical and be good, and you can be radical and you can be evil. I would call somebody who looked at Elijah Cummings and said, I disagreed with his politics. I'm glad the, the blank is dead. He should have died. I call that stupidity. That's just stupid people spouting stupidity. Stupid people. Why do you think there is something we've talked about this? We continue to push with our own children the idea, and we say it every day, sometimes several times a day. We ask them, was that kind? Was that courteous? We say, be kind, be courteous, be courageous. Those are the three things we tell them. And you can't have one without the other. You can't be kind and not be courageous. You have to put yourself forward to be that. And so when I look at people that, we call radical that are wishing the death of someone or praising the death of someone because they disagreed with them or didn't like them. I don't call that radical at all. I call that lacking in kindness, lacking in courtesy, lacking in courageousness. Um, 
it made me think of, and I don't know that there's a really good segue here. There's not, um, but there's an example here. This comes from the show Vikings, and you will remember what this is. Do you remember what the Blood Eagle was? Yep, I sure do. Um, this was something where they would, the Vikings, they, they would kill, execute an opponent. Um, somebody who was a leader, somebody who was a warrior or something, they would execute them in front of everybody. And there was a bit of, even though it was cruel, maliciously cruel way to die, there was something to that with the Vikings that said, if you endure this without pain, you will go to, I don't know if it was Valhalla mm -hmm. or you will, you will die with honor. And uh, I remember, you know what the blood Eagle is folks. So they would, they would string them up almost like crucifixion. They would go on their back and they would cut wings into the back, the shape of wings into somebody's back. They would saw through the rib cage, everything. They would pull the lungs out and spread them without ripping them out and spread them, fold them across the back shoulders. And that was called the blood Eagle. And if you could endure that as an enemy being executed because they wanted you dead, if you endured that without screaming, how could you bro? And I don't know, but there were those who did. I couldn't do it. And, uh, dude, um, you're having your rib cage literally hacked apart. Literally. I know. Uh, how could you I not know. go through that unless you passed out or went into some kind of shock? I, I mean, you know, that's, that's very possible, but, uh, it was a ritualized method of execution. And, uh, um, the victims, uh, in most cases that were documented mm -hmm. were members of Royal families. You know, it's weird when you say that though, because you say that how they die is, is a ranking of honor, right? Uh, to some of these yep. guys, they like the Vikings, their only way they want to die is dying in battle because that is their ticket to Valhalla, right? Yep. yep. Um, you know, you even think about the samurai and you think about how the samurai, the samurai took great honor in dying in battle. And, and if they were defeated in battle and they were still living, then they would take their own life and then have a fellow samurai take their head off. It was just this warrior yeah. mentality is unique. You know, you can talk about the Spartans. You can talk about the Persians. Um, it just, it's, it's weird how in times, how people, I, I don't know if we want to call it indoctrinated because it was cultural. It was just the way they were. And um, even though it sounds vicious, Roberts, there were still a lot of honor in a lot of these uh, historical societies, even though yeah. to us today, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe they live like that. Back then, they they that was the reality. They didn't know that we were going to have cars in this time and planes and all that other shit. Um, so there was truly a lot of honor in how you died. That was just human yeah. mentality back then. Have I got how much time? We, we got have? about a minute. Um, Ivar and King Ayla. Yes, now, Ivar. this was fictional in uh, in the Vikings. Are the bonus. This story, that actual historical account, comes from Peter of Ragnar's Sonum. The Tale of Ragnar's Sons. Ivar the Boneless was captured by King Ella of Northumbria, who had killed Ivar's father, Ragnar uh, Lobrook. And Lofbrook. Lofbrook, yeah. Jesus it's the, the umlat. <sighs> and the killing of Ella after a battle for control of York. 
And uh, the, the description in the writing was they caused the bloody eagle to be carved on the back of Ayla, and they cut away all of the ribs from the spine, and they ripped out the lungs and laid them as wings. Mm-hmm. And then they so, hung him up, dude. Then they hung him up. Then they hung him up, and then they hung him up alive. And uh, he had to endure that. That's to crazy. die with honor. Now, now, that has nothing to do with Cummings dying or anything like that. But I will tell you one thing. Uh, they hated their enemies, and they hated them enough to execute them. But when they executed them, they also honored them through this heinous way to die. No mercy, brother. No mercy. Nope. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the show of No Mercy with the big freaking cannoli and the meatball right here. It kind of makes you hungry every time you listen to this program. Ladies and gentlemen, Rocky Stucci Situation yeah. Room right here. Mojo 5 Radio, Odyssey Radio, and broadcasted around the world. We love you guys. We appreciate you being here. We're going to catch your breath when we come back. So much more to cover. Stand by, folks. And here we are on this Monday broadcast. As the leaves are falling, the air is becoming crisper. Scotty Roberts is selling popcorn. And we arranged our living room today in preparation for our Christmas freaking tree was up. Nice. Christmas tree. She's well, still Halloween's saying, in what, 10 days? Yeah, and she keeps telling me not till after Thanksgiving, but I know the game, bro. We go through this every year. Give me a hug. What's up? You know, it's either before Thanksgiving because you got people coming over Thanksgiving and you want them to see the Christmas tree, or it's the weekend after Christmas and or it, after Thanksgiving. Valid point, Roberts, because there are people that like to have the tree set up for Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes we get it. We're lucky if we get it on Christmas Eve. It's just the way we are. It's not that we aren't ready. We don't do, you know, presents shopping and all of that and the presents stack up in the corner and and uh, then you go, uh, well, we got to get that tree up one of these days. Yeah. Sometimes it's a day or two before Christmas. Not over here. It's not. Don't even offend me by saying yeah. shit like that, bro. So. And Rainy's got the whole front yard right now done up for Halloween. Well, this is a fun time of year for all of us. It really is. Yeah. Um, just want to let everybody know uh, we are going to be adding Chris X. Chris X to StreamingTalkRadio.com. Um, here, let's just get all this out of the way really quick because I got something to throw at the big canola here. Go to streamingtalkradio.com. If you're looking for stem light stuff, if you're looking for stem cell shots, code word heal. If you are looking for um, uh, CBD oil, uh, if you're looking for meatball gear, intrepid gear, any kind of gear, all you need to do, everything, the podcast links, the videos for all of us, just go to streamingtalkradio.com and everything is right freaking there. What's up? Give me a, a freaking hug now Roberts where's Roberts were you asking me oh dude dude I was doing you my thing asking me for a hug you were supposed to jump in I on thought that you were you still know? doing your thing I thought you said you're gonna have me out until you asked me a question oh no uh, Maybe okay. that was a question so here this is what I want to bring at All you right. really quick um you know I kind of referred before we went live tonight let me pull it up so I don't mispronounce what I'm talking about here uh where is it here where is it where is it boom 
about the Dunning Kruger effect. And it just, it makes me, Oh yeah. It, it makes me, um, it, here's me, dude, I've been in this weird thing lately in my brain, you know, like I said, after that whole thing about Cummings and, uh, yeah. me, it's like, I almost shut off my Facebook page. I just, I needed a break from human beings just because I feel like I created some of this, right? There's a part of me that feels guilty about this, but let me reference the radio industry real quick. Again, I'm not going after anybody in particular. I'm just referencing. I've been around this industry for a long time, and so has Roberts. Everybody believes that they are fact. Everybody always believes, when not when you're talking about conspiracies or politics or shit like that, right? Everybody believes that they are the truth, okay? Now, let me go back to a conversation I had, and I had a debate with this guy, and uh, he went to Purdue, and automatically, because he went to Purdue, he was Mr. I'm smarter than everybody else, right? Now, I was talking to him one time, me and another friend of mine, Eric, were talking to him in regards to, like, black holes, string theory, shit like that, right? And he yeah. had his complete set of views. Him and I disagreed with a lot of it because... His mind is so programmed to do it how he was taught from an educational standpoint that anything that goes against that to him is a wackadoodle conspiracy theory. So he's a brilliant mind. I would say there are some topics that he could be labeled an academic. Okay, so now let's say we come and grab somebody like Scotty Roberts or uh, another professor from a different university. He has his theories through his research that counters the guys from Purdue. Now, the guy from Purdue believes 1,000% that his views are the all-biblical truth. Then you go to the other professor. He believes his views are all-biblical truth, and they're completely opposite in views, and they're both academics. Who's right, Roberts? You know That's like saying? when you have both sides of a historic war claiming that God's on their side. Oh. oh. You know? It's the same kind of thing. Uh, you know, I was looking a little bit into this Dunning uh, uh, Keurig. No, it's not the coffee guy. The uh, Kruger, Dunning Kruger effect. Charles Darwin wrote about this kind of thing in his book, The Descent of Man. And Darwin said, ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. Mm. Uh, when you're ignorant of something, you, you rush it. Uh, uh, what, what, what's the even the Elvis Presley said it? You know, wise men say that fools rush in. You know, where angels fear to tread is the idea. Oh. And uh, um, competence, this is what David Dunning wrote. In many cases, incompetence does not leave people disoriented, perplexed, or cautious. Um, instead, the incompetent are often blessed with an inappropriate confidence, buoyed by something that feels to them like knowledge. <laughs> So, well, so, so in regards to that, I think what we witness a lot is that, so we have multiple tribes, multiple political tribes, multiple societal tribes, right? So when you have a tribal member, they are going to go out seeking information that is going to comfort their political, geopolitical, global, societal views. Right. And anything that goes against their views, that individual is wrong. I'm right, folks. You need to be here because this is where the shit is facts. This is where the shit is real. Anybody else gets it from me or they're freaking liars. You know what I mean? Right. So so that's what we run into is, is exactly how you just explained it. And so we can go and have a conversation with some of our friends on the left. 
Well, they believe just as strongly in their truth as we believe in our truth. So is there a such thing as truth anymore? There's the deeper question. Well, you know, the first thing that came to mind because of my background and my training, so Pilate asked Jesus, he said, what is truth? Because uh, Jesus told him, he says, uh, I'm bringing the truth. And Pilate says, what's truth? All right, so I'm coming to you, Scotty so, Roberts, right here, right now. And I'm asking you right now, give me the Scotty Roberts definition of what you believe truth is. Oh, boy. Um, I have always said that truth is different than fact. Um, and I can hail back way to the beginnings of my uh, secondary education, my master work on my master's degree in seminary to Indiana Jones. Remember him writing on the chalkboard at the beginning of the, of the, uh, and this st has stuck with me for the years. He said, archaeology, he writes, is the search for fact, not truth. He said, if you want truth, go down to doctor. And I can't remember the professor's name, professor's philosophy class down the hall. Well, what do you define this so, a little bit greater for us? When you say that truth isn't necessarily fact or fact necessarily isn't truth. I think fact becomes truth. I think if you're looking for truth, you're looking for something that is almost on a more esoteric level. Uh, I'm seeking truth. I'm seeking the truth about God, the truth about life, the truth about the universe, the whatever. If you're just seeking fact, you don't need anybody's truth to get in the way. You don't need your own truth to get in the way. And, so, and I hate that, that we all have our own truths. Mm -hmm. No, we all have our own perceptions of fact, and we create our own there truth. There you go, bro. There you go. Uh, there are not separate truths. It's truth is truth. Fact is fact. It's like I used to use the example when I'd get into debates with people about this thing years ago. I'd say, look at that ashtray sitting in front of us. I said, it's white ceramic ashtray. I said, now, I said, uh, let's say you want to call that a different color. No, that's purple. And you want to fervently believe that's purple. Let's say uh, you're, it doesn't work with white, but you're colorblind and you see different colors. Perception changes the color for you, but it does not change the innate color of the object. The only thing that changes is your perception of it. So does that mean that's truth for you? No, it means that's your perception of something. And you create your truth out of that perception, which means you're, well, I almost said the F word, which means you're all screwed up with the way that you're reaching your truth because you're not really ending up with fact. So fact is separate from truth. So uh, that's what I think. Of, that's where I see the difference between truth and fact. Truth is, is more inner, esoteric. It's accepting. Um, fact is all political. Uh, it doesn't need truth. It doesn't need interpretation. A fact does not need to be interpreted by anybody. A fact is a fact is a fact is an effing fact. Um, what you do with it creates truth. Well, speaking of fact now, see, this is where we get caught up in the matrix because let's, let's reference climate change. Yeah. In climate change, the left has their specific bag of facts and the right has their specific bag of facts. Both the left and the right both claim that their facts are the truth. So whose yeah. truth is fact? That's that's the big question. You get what I'm saying? So we're, we're just constantly caught up in this bullshit little ring around the rosy crap, and we spend more time 
arguing with people that we don't even know about this stuff or debating people we don't even know about this stuff when ultimately at the end of the day we'll probably really never have the actual answer except what we choose to believe to be real. Maybe you see some of this in in my Facebook, but more in the last couple of years, it's been gradual for me. I used to like the argument. Mm-hmm. I'd love the fight. Let's fight about that. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Let's go. Uh, but after a while, it became one of, I, I just want the facts. You say the, you just said the most boneheaded thing yeah. I've ever heard. Present me your facts and evidence. And if you cannot present me facts and evidence, then I cannot buy what you're saying. And usually they'll come back and they'll state just a different version of their of their spew. And it's like, you didn't state a fact there. You stated your opinion again. Mm-hmm. Tell me, so that's like arguing with somebody about biblical topics. And I'll say, give me facts and evidence. And they will say, well, because the Lord said in Isaiah 42, and you go, no, 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 no. You cannot support the, 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 you cannot support a biblical issue from within the Bible. Get outside of that and present me facts that supports it. And uh, it's like, uh, I'm going to say my favorite quote again. It's in my, it's, it's in the address of my email. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the footer of my email, every email I've sent for the last 15 years. And it was from John Adams who said, facts are stubborn things and whatever may be our wishes our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. Boom. Boom. I said, I have something right here. It says the perception of truth. The perception is not truth, and sometimes it is a lie. Um, it is false to facts. If we were to become awake, it is incumbent upon us to seek the truth. Okay, whatever. That was dumb. All right, all right. I'm going to use this because I've just been talking about all this stuff in my show over the last couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. and I got to hail back to this because it's my base of knowledge. But um, if you look at religion, um, here is a truth from the Baptist Church: you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. That's a bunch of crap. I just I hate that crap, dude. Take that statement. That is a truth within the Baptist church. But you go over to somewhere else in the world where they don't see understand that or worship that or have a totally different God, is that truth anymore? To them, that's a lie. Just like in the Baptist church, we were told things in other religions were lies. That's a lie of the devil, a lie of Satan. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what you just said, using that as an example or a way to illustrate the point, is that... Uh, the truth to some are 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 actually lies, and uh, and you don't know. And it, and again, that's based on your perspective. It's where you're sitting in the theater, looking at the stage. You see, dude, and and I remember you said that that one time during one of our shows, and it has stuck with me since. Where you said, and and I'm just kind of, I'm not quoting you 100, percent but you'll get the gist. When you get five thousand people going to the same auditorium. And you either watch a play or listen to a specific scripture or whatever you're there to listen to. Every single of those 5,000 people will walk out with a certain slight difference in how they obtain that information and how they will transfer that information onto another person as they discuss it. So not everybody is going to digest information the exact same. 
but the information on how it's digested now becomes either a debate or it becomes fact to that individual. Right. It's it's like uh, I wrote about that in one of my books, and I said those old glorious theaters, and you'd sit in a theater. Let's say your seat, you're watching a play, and your seat is in the orchestra pit, right above the orchestra pit. And you go, that was a lovely play. Did you see how the blue of her eyes glittered when she delivered that line? And a guy up in the second row on the balcony goes, I didn't see any color in her eyes at all. He said, I didn't see <laughs> shit, Barely bro. Right. I didn't see shit. And, or the guy who has the partially obstructed view. Or just the guy eight rows back. Everybody saw the same play, but not everybody could see all the same details and make out the same information. And so... Even the person right next to you in the chair next to you sees a mathematically minuscule fraction of a difference of that same play. But the play on stage never changed. So use that as as an example. The play is the truth. Everybody else out here in the audience, be it orchestra pit behind the pillar up in the second row of the balcony, they're all seeing the same play, but they're all getting something a little different out of it. So who is right? Well, the play's right. And so the question is, how do you become part of the play rather than the audience? And that's just an esoteric question. There's no answer to it. Well, there's really no answer to the question that I first laid upon you. And what is fact? You know, what, what is fact, you know? So, so we find ourselves swimming through this muck every single day of our life. Um, you know, and, and here's where I'm guilty Roberts is, you know, back when, when I was solo doing this show and I was doing uh, the Rocky Stucci show or EBN Talk Radio, whatever what I, what I was doing, when I was really deep into radical Islam and, and, and all those different things, you know, dude, there was, there was a lot of times where I felt 100% confident in my views. And, and I thought at certain times in my life that I thought my views were so legitimate that society could function off of how I chose to see the world. And John Ward said something to me one time. And uh, he says that sometimes when you think you're right, you're actually wrong. And sometimes when you're wrong, you're actually right. And, you know, that resonated in my brain. And I had to process that information for quite a while to really understand the depth of the meaning. And, you just have that pivotal moment to where you're like, holy shit, I get it. I see it. I understand it now. And through that little journey, through that little quote that he gave me, made me open my eyes differently and choose to see differently and choose to digest differently and, and choose to process differently information that I intake. And it also made me want to hear other arguments that oppose my arguments because I realized that my shit wasn't always right. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Uh, as, as my mom used to say about people when I was growing up, she was, that guy believes his shit don't stink. Right. And, uh, she said, don't be that way ever. By the way, how was mom? She's doing well. She's, uh, you know, she had her, she had actually had a triple bypass. They told Jeez. her it was going to be a quadruple, okay. but then they did something else with the ventricle as well. So they're triple plus something. And, uh, that was two days ago. And yesterday I called the ICU and they said, Nurse said, hey, no, I'll stop you right there. Just call her cell phone. She's sitting in the chair. We've got her sitting up in the chair. She's making phone calls, watching TV. And uh, we talked for about 10 minutes. And she said, okay. She said, 
I'm starting to slur, so I'm going to go. Bye. Yeah, medication's <laughs> kicking in, bitches. What's up? Yeah, now? yeah. I uh, also um, want to give a huge shout out um, to Mark Sinner Saint. Um, oh. His mama took a little spill, dude. You know, she took a oh. spill. I think she's like 91 or 92. I'm sorry, Mark, if I got the age wrong, but I know she was up there. And uh, she had a wow. fall, and, and she, she dislocated like her wrist or fractured her wrist, something with the oh, shoulder. Boy. That's tough when you're up in air. Yep. Up in your- so, Marco, my brother. Uh, you are part of the meatball family, man. And we just want to send out our love to you and your mama. And uh, please, please let her know that the entire meatball army is in 100% support. And we all truly um, are praying for a quick recovery. I'm using that word. I don't even care. It's We're okay. praying for that. It's so, okay. all right, brother. That's what Nothing wrong at. with that. You no. Know? Do it. See, and so it's so effed up that I even had to sit there and... I'm indoctrinated. Do you see that shit, dude? I'm indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And shut up. You know, you know, I, and I, I have said about that on that topic. I said I don't pray because I don't see the efficacy in it, and I blah 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 blah, and the object of it, and so on and so forth. But for somebody else, they're going to have a different point of view. And uh, um, so yeah, some people venerate Mary. I mean, we can't. We can keep coming back to religion. Because that's where we seem to have all this truth, science versus mm-hmm. science versus fact versus all these things that all play together all the time. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Is this bad? So when I used to do a lot of like when I was doing paranormal stuff every weekend, I would there's see, I love women. I know you love women. And there's this thing about me that women make me feel this is going to sound weird, but they make me feel safe. They make me feel comfortable. Okay. And um, so whenever I'll do these paranormal things, my prayer or my magic or my intent or however we want to define it would be to Mary. I would always pray to Mary. I would pray to um, Archangel Michael, sure. but I will always pray to Mary for her protection. I don't know if it's a mother thing. I don't know what it is. But I just always felt complete. And again, it was my intent. So whatever I was producing through that prayer to what I perceived to be Mary, in my mind, it's psychologically protecting me from these circumstances and situations that I put myself into. So good or bad, man, it it works for me, you know? When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be, and you know that that comes to mind. Damn, just bro. In. So I didn't even put that shit together. It's the Beatles. Hell yeah, it is. Oh, Beatles. Never liked the Beatles. So I love the Beatles. Yeah, but uh, um, the, you know, I just talked about the other night, Friday night, I think it was about the Triune Goddess, um, that we see. That, that's that's been an ancient paganism, the pagan mysteries. And I was doing all these comparisons between Jesus and the ancient uh, God-men in the pagan mysteries. And did you know, did you realize that at the time of Jesus' resurrection, well, throughout his ministry, there were the three Marys. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene, yep. who was supposed to be his wife in some accounts. Right. And Mary, the sister. What? And Mary, the sister of, uh, was it the sister of Mary? And Mary, the sister of Mary or the cousin of Mary, something like that. 
I don't remember which what the relation was there in the Christian version. But there were the three Marys who showed up at the tomb. Weird. And uh, to anoint the body. And uh, and then, of course, the resurrection, the, the annunciation, annunciation, the uh, announcement from the angels. Have you ever heard that and, Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary were the two of the same? Um, I have heard that, but I don't think so. Just another theory? Uh, it's just... Coming from somebody spewing, you know, facts. You know what I'm saying? See, I think I think Mary Magdalene was the woman who was supposed to have been married to Jesus. Yeah, why not? They relate Mary Magdalene to the prostitute where Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Did Jesus uh, ever say that is, you can't have sex before marriage? Did Jesus ever say that? I don't think he did ever Did Jesus said that. ever tell any of his he apostles? Law, um, right. And, did, did Jesus yeah. ever tell any of his apostles that they couldn't be married, that they had to be sold? While you're out there roaming around, uh, don't shag nothing? Yeah, dude, dude. What's wrong with getting a little shag action, bro? What's up? I think that was all that was all uh, synagogue uh, religious tradition. Uh, but but let me say, let me make, just yeah. clarify that last point I was making is that is that uh, Mary Magdalene was supposed to be his wife. There was Mary, who was the friend or the cousin, and then there was Mary the mother, and those three were the were who were at the tomb. There's only one of the four gospels that appears there were only one woman, and it was Mary. Uh, Magdalene, who appeared at the tomb. But you've got the same thing in the pagan religions with the triune goddesses, oh. the three mothers, the um, that uh, the three uh, goddesses that would come and attend to Dionysus after he was executed and rose from the dead, wow. things like that. So it's a lot of interesting crossovers. There's a lot of interesting yeah. co- crossovers with Christianity and paganism, uh, especially a lot of our modern-day holidays. And yeah. uh, there's also a lot of crossover with Christianity and the ancient Egyptians, right? Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, and the reason I only the only reason I brought that up, you made me think of that when you were talking about, you know, you pray to Mother Mary, you play, or people who tell me they pray the Rosary, they mm-hmm. pray to Mary. Um, there was one point I made in my show where it, it was, I know the Roman Catholic Church has elevated Mary to be somebody that you could pray to. She was a go-between, an intercessor. Yet you have scripture in the New Testament written by Paul, who says there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. So who is Mary? How does she fit into this? So there's even conflict of truth within the Bible itself. (laughs) And that's nothing new. So, And they, they talk about Mary being a perpetual virgin, meaning... Once she gave birth to Jesus, she was never more conceived a child. Yeah, see, dude, I don't fall for that but either, man. Jesus I just had, he was wandering around with his brothers, his brothers and his sisters, and uh, um, one of his brothers was James, who wrote the book of James in the New Testament. And uh, um, the the Sanhedrin, when they got pissed off at Jesus, uh, they his it said his family, his brothers and his sisters, they took him and his mom. Said he's not mad, you know, you know, blah blah blah. So, um, uh, there's a lot of things that contradict, and that's a totally different point. Well, you know what? And that just goes back to when we started this segment truth versus perception. You know what yep. I'm saying? What's and truth in that? What's truth? It all comes down to what we perceive it to be and what makes us feel better on how we digested that information to become truth to us. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. 
Wow. All right. Hey, Roberts, we are down to just a couple minutes. Just want to let it is kind of crazy, bro. But you know what? I think the truth versus perception is very good because we're we're always walking in this muck of information and we don't even know what the truth is. And you know, right. we can talk about politically and, and I'm hearing everybody calling this Tulsi Galbar or whatever her name is again. Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, all, yeah. all of a sudden she's a she's she's a uh the conspiracy a Russian theories. agent. Oh, you know, and then people are saying that people on the right are saying she's a ploy now, and it's just like, my God, people, seriously, just drink some Kool-Aid and shut your face. What's up? You know what I mean? So, anyways, hey, by the way, this week, I just want to let everybody to you know remind you again because we are coming down. It's gonna be in just a few days. We are going to be at the Depot Bar and Grill, downtown yes. Hastings, Minnesota, Thursday night. The show starts at eight, Scotty. Let's get down there a little early. Let's get down there at about 5.30. And uh, I'm going to have a couple of drinks that night. Lisa's coming, so, so I got a sober I. driver. Audrey's going to be there. You're going nice. to be there. Jeff is going to be there. Cynthia's going to be there. We're going to try to get Rainy there. Get uh, we Rainy's may not ass there, dude. We're, we're, we're grossly lacking in sitters out here. So by the way, to come over and sit my kids. Dude, by the way, I, um, I gave Rainy a really extra special tight hug the other day. I saw that. It was extra special. What's up? I saw that. Yeah, Hell yeah, dude, bro. What's up? She seemed to like it. Of course she did. It's the meatball hug, bro. What's with that? Dude, we're huggers. You, me, and both. You and me both, we are oh, huggers, yeah. dude. I think hugs oh, are yeah. the most beautiful thing on the planet. I'm afraid to hug your wife. Why? I, I, am, I, I literally am afraid to hug women too prolonged or too tightly or too, you know, it's like I want to hug and, you know, you get the, okay. Okay, there's the impression. Not that I don't like it, <laughs> but you're afraid. I don't want to offend them. Like, Dude, come on. Oh, now. that was a creepy hug. I tell you something right now. If you guys come and hug me, you're getting a meatball hug. I don't hold the shit back. You know what I'm saying? I'm I hug you all that ass. I know you do. You give me a good one, too. I do. It's kind of gay. Just saying, bro. Yeah, you know, yeah. no big deal. Folks, we are at the end of this program. We love the hell out of each and every one of you. Visit the website, Streaming Talk Freaking Radio. No, StreamingTalkRadio.com. Remember, rule number one, ladies and gentlemen. Don't take shit from nobody. Love you guys. Live long and prosper. Mm-hmm.